Radio Mano Papachango. everybody i'm coming to you from the van i hope this sounds good um but i can't tell because i left my headphones in the cafe where i'm gonna go and upload this in five minutes uh anyway i'm in the van and this episode is with lisa mena she is a magician who uses her skills in magic to bring enlightenment to the world as you'll hear she goes around uh, using her magic to attract attention from kids primarily in villages that she wanders through and uh, she shows the kids that doing the right thing can be magical and can have beautiful positive effects uh, specifically in terms of respecting and honoring women so her message is extremely timely uh, it's always timely but i guess at the moment more timely than ever given the various political shifts that seem to be happening in american culture about fucking time anyway um yeah so i'm really i'm really glad to bring this to you she's fantastic I, i've been sitting on this one for a while apologies lisa if you hear this um but uh you know this is one of those evergreens that um, doesn't need to get out urgently there's no book being sold or movie coming out or something like that so uh, i've had it in my back pocket for a little while now and some of the I like to release some of the the travel ones you know as they come out so um, she's been bumped a few times and I apologize for that but this is as I said this is an instant classic so it's great whenever you listen to it I hope things are going great out there in your world things are good for me Cassie and I have been traveling for about three weeks now in Scarlett Johansson a big shout out to patreon supporters who help pay for the diesel fuel and uh of course to my dear friend oliver who uh really put this whole van together if you're in la and you want a really good auto mechanic oliver's your guy although he's so booked up he doesn't need me to say this but yorks and lanks automotive in chatsworth that's oliver's shop what else can I say? The tangentially reading books are available. Uh, I, I keep forgetting to mention that if you order the full color version from my mother, I'm happy to sign it, write anything you want in there, uh, short of, you know, some sort of contract promising you my firstborn child, which you're probably going to be on the losing end of that deal. But... Um, yeah, I'm happy to inscribe those. It might take a while. You know, if you order it now, you have to wait till I get back to L.A. before I can write in it and send it to you. But that's a, a free bonus option if you order the full-color version from my website, chrisryanphd.com. Go to the store. You'll see the book in there, along with T-shirts and lots of other goodies. Um, of course, that's only for people in the U.S., if you live outside the U.S. and you want to do it, the shipping is a fucking nightmare because it's a pretty heavy book. 
they put together, uh, folks at Misfit put together a really beautiful book, but it is not light. So the shipping is outside of uh, the U.S. is pretty expensive. Uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, if you're outside the U.S. and you want a copy, though, you can order it from your nearest Amazon, however you do Amazon in your country. They'll ship it to you at the cost of a normal book. So there you go. Uh, I'm in Tucson. We uh, came up through the southern Arizona, New Mexico, went to Bisbee. Doug Stanhope wasn't around. I knew he wasn't around, but we wanted to check it out anyway. It was on our route. Uh, we wanted to get off the highway, so uh, maybe I'll I'll be able to catch up with him next time. He's in L.A. or or whatever. He's in Asia at the moment, I think. But we went through Bisbee, and then we met a guy named John Porter, who is a rattlesnake expert. A woman named Dorothy, who listens to the podcast, put me in touch with him. Had a really nice chat with him yesterday, and now we drove up to Tucson, where we're going to be um, having some visiting with Andrew Weil, the famous doctor. Looks like we're not going to have time to do a podcast with him, but it'll be nice to see him. And then we'll be uh, heading off toward Joshua Tree uh, for the weekend and then back to L.A. So if you're listening to this in real time, we're somewhere between Tucson and Joshua Tree. Uh, I guess that's all I really have to say. I'm not keeping up with the news too much i sort of look at my phone occasionally and it looks like a lot of the same bullshit it's a downward trajectory i don't know i'm kind of i feel like the plane's going down and uh everyone's screaming and puking but i'm kind of waiting to see what happens are we gonna hit is this whole thing gonna fall apart or are we going to pull ourselves out of the tailspin? We'll see. I don't know. But anyway, we're going down. And uh, as Carsey Blanton says in the song at the end of this podcast, uh, what, are, what are the words? We're going to go down dancing, something like that. I forget the exact words. I always back myself into these corners and then can't get out. Anyway, I'm going to sign off now and go to the cafe and upload this motherfucker. Lisa Mena, thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, thanks for being you and especially all you Patreon supporters. By the way, we broke a thousand, over a thousand Patreon supporters. So that's a wonderful milestone. Very happy about that. Proving... That it's possible to uh, to bring in uh, a modest income on a podcast that refuses to do commercials. So I think that's a pretty worthwhile thing to demonstrate. Thank you for helping me do that. And uh, thank you for listening and supporting the podcast, however you do it, financially, spiritually, or otherwise. I hope the world is treating you right. Catch you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting in my parents' garage uh, with Lisa Mena. 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 All Lisa right. Mena. I said Mena. I have a friend whose last name is Mira. Uh, I was with him last night. Mira Mena. Um, yeah, so we're in the garage, which if you watch the video that I just recorded of Lisa doing uh, one of her... Uh, sort of um, consciousness raising magic tricks you'll see 
crates of t-shirts. This is where my mother sells t-shirts through the web. Uh, podcast listeners buy t-shirts. Uh, we have the paleo modern t-shirts, the uh, oh. civilized to death. Yeah, they're, they're tangentially speaking and sex at dawn t-shirts. I'll hook you up with t-shirts. Oh, careful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So Lisa, you're on your way from somewhere to somewhere. As usual. Yeah, where you're coming from Canada? Nelson, British Columbia. What are we doing up there? Um, there is a sm it's a small arts town and one of the board of directors of Cause to Wonder lives up there. We went up, mm. I did a, had a little conference uh, and I have a home up there. So mm. I, I came down, I'm on my way to the south of Italy. Oh, nice. Yeah. To Sicily or mainland? No, mainland in the toe, just below Tricasi. Taking care of, no, taking care of my mother. Got a little mother issues, and oh, then I'm going to stay, oh, okay. and I'm going to hit the Sicily and the south of Italy, and uh, bring the Helping Women Bring Us Good Thing program, because we're trying to start the superstition. Right. Well, not really a superstition. We'll just say a notion or a meme, kind of. Well, you know, there's, is it an axiom? Is it a meme? Is it a superstition? Yeah. Is it a belief? Right. Helping women brings good things is not a household expression. However, right. many parts of the world, the expression, if I don't beat my woman, it means I don't love them, right. is a household expression. So mm -hmm. we're trying to counter that by starting this. Right. Will you say the words, helping women brings good things? Yeah, helping women brings good things. And could you try to use it in your daily life? My goal is to get uh -huh. 100 million people to have that in their consciousness in the same way that if you step on a crack, you... <laughs> see? So yeah. helping women yeah. should be in everybody's minds brings good things, at least until women have the right to be humans in all of the world. Right. So I saw our mutual friend, uh, Mike, put us in touch. Um, and I looked at your website. Re remind me the name of the website. Or Cause the to Wonder. Cause to Wonder. And I saw some of the videos of you working with kids. It looked like Africa, um, South America, all over the place. Papua New Guinea, Ethiopia, Mozambique, uh, Antigua. Right. Tortola, St. Thomas, all different places in the world we've hit and entered. In most cases, I promote helping women brings good things. But really what I do is a genre called theater for social change. Mm. I use magic to captivate attention. Right. And when people are curious, they're in an adaptive state. Right. Every teacher knows if you want someone to think, give them cause to wonder. Mm. Which is why we started Cause to Wonder. Right. If you are in the state of curiosity, you're in an adaptive evolutionary state for everything, not just what you're curious about. So I have taken the uh, idea that uh, a troubadour or a traveling, uh, a traveling minstrel would take. I go from village to village. It's not, high, it's not um, well organized. It's not uh, something they plan on. People happen to be at the watering hole and a white lady appears. And she does this fantastic show where everyone's laughing and having a great time. And every time she says, helping women, we say back, brings good things. And some miracle happens. Mm. And I told everybody I knew about it because I'd never seen such a thing. So if I go to a, uh, a watering hole in Africa and I gather a village together and I make a ball disappear, the first thing that happens is everybody picks up a rock because they're afraid. Oh, really? They don't know what's happened. They've never seen such a thing. And in their consciousness, oh. uh, spiritualism uh, sits on a different shelf. Yeah. So they don't yeah. know if I'm, if I'm something of another world, if I'm right. otherworldly, if this is just a trick, if this is for fun, if it's silly, if I'm a witch doctor. Because mm. we authenticate our doctors by diplomas. Right. They authenticate their doctors by showing an impossible deed. Mm. And throughout history, 
uh, curiosity and miracles have been used to change social structure. Right. So how do you then make it clear that you're not a danger? Well, once everybody picks up a rock and is quite nervous, the children, the smallest children, are not at all afraid. Their vibration is working and, and mm. their instinct says, this is a safe lady. So I, it took me a while to find it. I've improved my um, uh, approach over the years, but eventually I figured out that if I take a rock and I make it disappear and I put it into the belly button of a child and it disappears into their tummy mm. and then I turn the child around and it, the child's usually naked in two and then I pull the rock out of their bum. <laughs> exactly. People chill All out All the old ladies laugh. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as the matriarchs laugh, yeah. it gives everyone permission to say, okay, this is safe, we'll enjoy it. And right. you just hear the rocks go, boom, 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 uh, all around me. Yeah. And then yeah. they enjoy it, they laugh, it was fun. And they, each person goes home from the watering hole to their village and tells everybody about it and tells more people and more people about it. And the word spreads quickly because in the villages that I work, they don't have media, they don't have literacy, they don't really have any outside ideas. Mm. All of their laws or tradition right and the only way they train change their tradition is if they have a cultural myth right so I give them a new myth a long time ago and it could be a year later when they say it a white lady came and stood under that tree and she made a ball come out of my ear and it disappeared and it ended up in my brother's belly button and then she told me if I don't hit my sister I'll be lucky and you know what? The other day my sister dropped her sticks her firewood and even though it was a woman's job I helped her and the very next day, my goat had its baby. So they'll find ways to justify things that they've heard, mm. or they won't. But if they begin to argue about it and say, well, helping women doesn't bring good things. That's bogus. I can't believe that. Blah, 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 blah. That's the seed of change. Right. So my idea is to plant a seed of change in a society for consideration. Not to tell them what to do, just put it out on the, for consideration. It's such a powerful idea and so simple. I mean, I, I traveled a lot in my 20s and 30s all over the world, and I often, I would see someone with a guitar or even a flute or something, and I, I often thought, like, yeah, I wish I had a skill, some skill that transcended language and culture so that it would be, it would be so much easier to relate to people if you could do if you offer them anything, a gift. something, yeah. Yeah. And that's even more interesting because everyone, even, no matter what culture you're in, they have so seen song, they have seen dance, they have yeah. seen instrument, right. but few people have seen magic. Huh. So without exception, I'm continuously invited into homes yeah. everywhere I go in the world. In, you're, I believe you aren't a real traveler in a country until you've been invited to a private home. Yeah. And I'm constantly invited because people want to say, oh, I need to show my cousin, I need right. to show my niece, right. come this way. Yeah. So magic has its own unique um, uh attraction for everybody because we can't resist curiosity but that's interesting because there is a curiosity curmudgeon curve hmm. in so much as when people get older they dislike magic <laughs> i don't know it, how it works and i'm uncomfortable yeah whereas when you're young if something makes you curious your response is to play yeah i think of it as a tickle yeah. when you're young and you're curious your mind gets tickled hmm. and you play and you giggle and you react to the tickle and it's enjoyable. Curiosity is fun. But as you age, that tickle becomes an itch. Mm. Very much like adults. It's, unless you're kissing somebody, it's hard to tickle someone and get a good response. Mm. Most of the time, you can't be tickled as an adult. So do you find that that's consistent across cultures, or is that a Western thing? Totally consistent across cultures. I have photographs where you'll see four women in a line watching my show. This is particularly one in Mozambique. And one girl is seven, one girl is... 
14, one girl is 23 and 35, and then maybe 45, and 45 is an elder. Mm. And you can see in their faces the joy on the tiniest child and the greatest fear on the oldest woman. And as it goes up, it raises absolutely across the board. I think it's necessary for our species to survive. Young people are revolutionary. They're curious. They experiment. Old people hold tight to the status quo so society doesn't change too quickly. So by nature, as we get older, we get less curious and we're less adaptive by nature. Hmm. I resist by nature arguments. Okay. Yeah, I'm very resistant to those. Here's here's a which so, would be the natural thing for a man your age. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Although I I think I've always resisted them, uh, be, you know, because what we know about human nature is is so minimal, but it's it's something that's so tempting to, uh, you know, to pull out as explanations. So here's what I was thinking while you were talking. Um, I, it's occurred to me that the trajectory of traditional societies, and I'm talking about hunter-gatherer societies with a shaman, right. you know, shamanic um, spiritual traditions, the trajectory is uh, toward wonder in the sense that there are initiations, which we lack in Western right. society, that bring one into the world of adulthood and the world of adulthood is marked by greater access to the spirit worlds than you have as a child mm -hmm. and so you're you know you're brought into the secret society of men or of women now you're a full adult you take place in some of the shamanic traditions you might ingest the ayahuasca or hape or whatever the the traditional um psychedelic substance would be in that society that brings you into this world of of wonder that's not accessible to children and in our society, it's the opposite. Children believe in Santa Claus and all these fairies and, and mystical beings. And the trajectory toward adulthood is, no, that's not real. Nothing's real. None of that's real. You have to get serious, get a job, get a mortgage. It, it just feels like our trajectory is away from it, whereas in, other, in some other societies, the trajectory could be different. So that's why I resist the idea that it's built into the DNA somehow. I think that um, Santa Claus is an interesting point. Mm. Uh, Santa Claus is a story to motivate behavior. Uh, and we have it in our children. But it, there are uh, stories to motivate be be behavior in children that have an element of uh, spiritualism or mysticism to them in all cultures I've ever encountered, including the hunter-gatherers. Yeah. So I right. wouldn't say that's, that a version of Santa Claus doesn't exist. It's usually a version of a boogeyman that punishes bad children. Uh -huh. But it exists in most cultures. So right. I, I would have to disagree that those right. fantasies aren't presented as ways for children to live up to a condition and then get a reward. Very right. much like religion. You sure. behave well, you get to go to heaven. Sure. Right? Right. Uh, so I think, I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily true that uh, we are cut out of mysticism or that, that uh, tribal children, yes, tribal children are ingratiated to older and more complicated thought. Uh, and we are often uh, pushed to conform in mm. order to succeed. But it doesn't mean in those societies they're not pushed to conform as well. Yeah. I would disagree that um, uh, I, definitely we're shut down for, uh, and, and childlike uh, behavior in Western society is um, not seen as necessarily positive. But I would say also in, in uh, hunter-gatherer societies, there's expectations of adults and children that are quite different. Sure. I... Um, 
I think using wonder is different than using ayahuasca or spiritual awakening. You're looking on a different level. They, some people might vaguely perceive me as a spirit guide, but mm. mostly perceive, they perceive me as a clown. In fact, two years, 18 months actually, after I went to Mozambique, I sent a scientist in to do a measures and impact report to see if doing magic with a message was effective. Because I didn't really know. What I, part of Mozambique were you Mozambique, in? I was in Lake uh, Nyasa, which is Lake Malawi, uh -huh. in an isolated it's region. It's up in the north. It's right? up in the north. Yeah. And the reason I was able to do it is that's an isolated region with an isolated language, so I could see in the 28 villages that they have, I visited five villages, uh, how far the word traveled, uh, if it changes it traveled, and how it was affected. And the woman spent six months going to all the villages, asking all these questions, and it was very interesting. We had 104% retention of the message, a clean lake is a happy life, after seeing my magic show in these villages, which meant not only did everyone who saw the show remember the phrase, but it traveled to other villages, mm. and they had heard it before too. Some of the, in some cases, when it traveled to a village that was not on the lake, it changed to a clean river is a happy life, or clean water is a happy life, as it applied. Interesting, okay. Very interesting. And what people remembered about it was interesting too. All of the children could recall the jingle. Most of the seniors, and an elder in, in uh, African societies, anybody over 49, because that's just what it is. If you turn 50, you're an elder. So right. we're elders. Here, right. we are. Here we are. Very wise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't laugh. Um, but the uh, elders remembered specifically every magic trick because the novelty was so high. And mm. since we are novelty-seeking by nature... I know you don't like by nature, but we are novelty seeking. I'll buy that one. Yeah, okay. Sure. Okay, you know, we are hungry by nature too. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, so, because this was so novel, the, the, the seniors could not remember the song because they knew a thousand songs, but they definitely remembered all the details of the trick. Mm. And while when they were interviewed, they were asked things like, did you, was this woman a clown or was she a witch or was she a spirit or, or did you find, were you afraid of her? And across the board, universally, in Mozambique, and this can change culture to culture, these people said, no, we knew it was for fun. She is not a witch. But as the interview continued, the elders would say, well, she touched my grandson. And I watched him very carefully for a year. But he's okay now. So even though they spoke and said, we didn't mm -hmm. think it was supernatural, their behavior reflected that, in fact, they were concerned about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. My wife's from Mozambique. Oh, is she? Yeah, I've never been to the north. I've been to the south. Uh, but, yeah, I've heard a lot about... She's traveled around all over the country. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's... I, people don't know how far out that is. Northern Mozambique is really far out. Right. Yeah. So you said that the languages... Uh, there were specific languages in, in the area that you went to, not Portuguese, presumably. Yes, these were, the these, they were the Nyanja people, right. which is why it was we could, we could do the study and figure out if it worked, because right. I don't know the statistics on advertising, but how many eyes have to, how many times you have to see something to remember it? Right. And if you see one magic show, right. and you've never seen magic before, and you remember specifically, how powerful is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a guy, 2,000 years ago, there was a guy, 2017 years ago, actually, there was a guy who did a magic show with a message. Mm. And at the time, the population of the earth was the same as the population of America. Mm. And you've got to figure over his lifetime, you get about 100 people a show, you do 10 shows a week. Over his lifetime, he probably met 200,000 people. And now, 2,019 years later, Passable Magic Act with a Message, 
it is the foundation of our culture. Mm. And you can see the same thing in other cultures. You can see that so Muhammad split the moon. you equate yourself with Jesus. No, How? I think Jesus did a passable magic act with a message. <laughs> a passable magic and act. And the hardest, hardest part did, about it did is... Did Jesus do like any sleight of hand or anything? I don't know. Wait. Yeah. Hold we're, on. We're going into the what bag of tricks here. What is this? It's a piece it's of a croissant. Loaf. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Loaf. The loaf. Wait, 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 wait. No, this is not right. This is, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's still okay. What's happening here? Right, that's pretty Tell amazing. the people, yeah. endless loaves of bread. Endless loaves of bread, yes. And I do fishes yes. too, but they smell funny. <laughs> but, and I do wine to water. You got some, oh, we got some water. We have some water, So yeah. why would you change wine to water? Yeah. For a party. Right. Oh, no, it was right. water to wine, wasn't it? Yes, water it was water to, to wine. wine. Yeah. Muhammad split the moon. In fact, almost every guru has a, a, a blood in their hands or a stone appearing. Mm. Most religions have a miracle at their beginning. Right. Now, perhaps... Jesus was truly inspired, and he really did have a power from God, which allowed him to change water to wine right. and multiply loaves. But also, he could have been an event guy who was hired to do a really good party, <laughs> and, and the message spinned. Right. The, the interesting right. thing is, the people who get most angry with me when I'm working are the missionaries. Oh, yeah. The missionaries lose it on me. The Christian missionaries, mostly the Catholic missionaries, get very upset. And they say, you cannot do magic. It's you're, you're the devil woman. Get away, get away. You're the devil. So they're the ones who are superstitious. superstitious well, they're, they're angry because yeah. if you ask them to, to consider the possibility that Jesus' miracles were a magic trick, mm. they're very offended. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't negate what he said. He had a right. beautiful message. Right. The fact that he got everybody's attention with a whiz-bang show, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's but effective. if you you know, and if if you say, well, maybe the bread didn't multiply, does that still negate love thy neighbor? Mm. I don't think so. Yeah. So it's a very interesting and delicate boundary. Some people are quite offended by what I do. Some of my fellow magicians are say they say, how dare you be a fraud? And you go in there, and they think you're really magic. Mm. And I never say I'm a spirit woman. They think, oh, I see. Right. Okay. I never say, but yeah. the, my friends who are right. traditional comedy club magicians right. can't understand the point of using magic to evoke an evolutionary change. I remember being yeah. in Ethiopia, we did a figure eight tour, and we went to all these places, and... Uh, so you travel with other magicians? Uh, yes. No, I, I travel, I don't travel with other magicians, but I travel with security and a cultural liaison. Uh -huh, so okay. two or three people, and it's dangerous work. I often have an armed guard or an armed car. It uh -huh. depends on where I am, but it's dangerous Just work. because you're a Westerner in a remote area, that's kidnapping is the issue, robbery? No, uh, but because I'm a magician, uh, mm. the belief systems about what magic is and which, what a witch doctor is and if she can curse you or hurt you. Like originally we mm. were going to say helping, hurting women is bad luck. And if uh. your neighbor hurts a woman, the bad luck runs into you. Oh. And the people at the UN who were our coach liaisons to decide what to do in Ethiopia said, you do that, then we'll just kill you yeah. to take away the bad luck. Right. You have to offer a carrot on a stick. You right. have to offer something positive. Yeah, so we that. changed it yeah. over. Yeah. But yeah, the message changes place to place. That's interesting. So what I was going to ask you is, uh, so you must, when you're going to a place, you must learn a little of the language, at least enough to say your phrase. Totally. I have it written on my arm, but I don't uh, do it that way. Uh, Even though I know the phrase, when I enter the village, I say, uh, uh, and I find someone who speaks a little English if I can, or I get my translator to get them to translate, and I say, how do you say helping women brings good things? Right, no, right. because when they're deciding it, then they think the chief 
who's usually the person we're talking to, has uttered the phrase and decided to say it uh -huh. versus me coming to them. Uh, That's one of the right. very important elements of theater for social change. You have to involve the community right. in, in uh, the process of building it. So since the chief decided on these specific words, mm. it gives it more impact, right? And when I do it, the first trick, I have the chief say it. The second trick, I look to the strongest man, and I have him utter the words. So I have them completely repeated over and over. Right. Fascinating. So how, where does this come from? I mean, theater for social change makes me think of the Yippies, for example, right. Abby Hoffman. And they, you know, they were uh, having, uh, what do they call them, happenings or, you know, VNs and events. Well, theater for social change is any kind of ceremony. Yeah. Any kind of religious ceremony. Right. Ritual. You put on your costume, you do your presentation. It's theater. If you've ever been backstage with a priest or a mm. rabbi, mm. they psych up and do their mommy mama mums just like the rest of us right. because they have a show to put on. Right. right. They have a presentation to do. So theater for social change comes in many forms. Right. It doesn't have to be branded as that to do it, yeah. but there are some elements that prove it works that, that, that are proven to work better and one of them is involve the community. Mm. Right? And so involving the community either to write the story or a portion of the story makes the impact stronger. Right. Right. And sometimes it's a vague special effect part of the show, and sometimes it's specific. Like yeah. making a ball disappear and saying helping women is not related, but it still has impact. I remember coming back to a village after three weeks that we had been in three weeks ago, and we just happened to cross back through it, staying at the same hotel, looking for, well, it was kind of a hotel. It was a place to sleep anyway. <laughs> and in the morning, I'm up early looking to see if I could possibly find some breakfast. And I walk by a little girl who's 10 years old, and she's the laundress at the hotel. And she's scrubbing sheets, and the pile of sheets next to her are twice as tall as she is. And as I walk by, she's singing, Lubartat Barbaru Charagarifida, which is helping women brings good things. Mm. Was probably my best moment. Mm, that's beautiful. You see it rippling out. Well, I knew it stuck. Yeah, I knew it stuck, yeah. and so it will stay forever. And I'll never know the impact of those those days. Right. I will never know which boys heard it, which men heard it, what discussion was had. Right. If you say that, if like, if I work in English-speaking cultures, like if I work in the Caribbean, in the West Indian culture, and while there is reading and writing and media there, there's a strong belief that uh, the Bible says a woman should submit to her husband, and therefore, beatings remove the shame of sex. And People only say it behind closed doors, but it's just the way it is, is what they say. And in those cultures, if I ask a man to say helping women brings good things, very often they refuse. Really? Very interesting stuff. Mm. But if I go into the classroom, so in cultures where uh, there is some media and there's still a problem, I usually concentrate on six to eight-year-olds mm. because they love their mothers, they're still being informed, right. but they're aware. Right. I go from classroom to classroom and I do my little ball trick or a trick. And as I get to the last moment before the boy opens his hands and the balls have jumped, I say, you'll notice in the world that men who hurt women tend to have bad luck. And men who help women tend to have good luck. And you hear a couple of boys in every classroom go, <gasps> mm. and that's why I do this work. Right. Cause to wonder. Right. We're a nonprofit 501c3, and we're online, and you certainly can donate. And if you don't good, want to donate, good. there's something great there, because I believe mm. in math. On the donate page at the bottom, if you go to the surprise button just below it, press the PDF, and you can download a mind-reading magic trick. That requires you to do a little mental math. And if you fool your 7, 8, or 9-year-old child with it, they will go so crazy to learn it. They will practice mental calculation. There you go. Say the name of the website again. CauseToWonder.org. CauseToWonder.org. Okay, cool. So um, before we get into how you got into all this, while we're talking about the travel stuff, um, 
How many countries have you taken this to? Do you keep track of that? Um, uh, well, since we became a 501c3, we've been in seven countries. But mm. I did a lot of this sort of work before I made it formal. Right. I've been to 67 countries, huh. depending on what you call a country. Some of them don't exist anymore. Some right. of them are not recognized. Right. But I would call right. it 67 countries at this huh. point. Yeah. I have no idea how many countries I've been to. Well, I should think about that one these days. Go down a computer list where it asks what country you're from because they're all listed there. Oh, there it is, right? When you're buying a ticket or something. And you yeah. got on hold, right? You need sure. a visa. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Wow. Interesting. So so I'm, I'm imagining places. I'm thinking of places I've been and how this would go over in those different cultural contexts, you know? Uh, I've never been to... Well, there's, there's the tradition of the trickster guru, which is common to shamanic society and it exists in every society there's a menahuni yeah. there's yeah. a jinn right there's the a uh, yeah. pele coco mm. you know there's the the coyote every so culture have has you it. had like close calls have you needed the security yeah um there have been times when uh I'll, there'll be a group of white people and uh We'll, we'll, we'll be in a, a scenario where the, my handlers immediately have me change my clothes, my hurt shirt and my hat, uh, because they can't necessarily differentiate which woman I was. Right. And that's helpful to them because my handlers will be nervous. Or there are some places where I'm, I just can't perform. Really? Well, you know, uh, Africans have a lot of belief systems that are simplistic and crazy uh, because of the way myths follow so like the, there are some places where they believe if they have a piece of an albino oh yeah they'll cure things yeah well it's the same with my hair mm. you know sometimes people are grabbing at my hair mm -hmm. who's going to grab at my nail or my arm so sometimes it's like okay i, I don't want to give away a piece of the magician right. <laughs> right right and there's a big belief in africa that if you have sex with an infant you'll get rid of hiv oh my god That's i mean there's so, crazy belief yeah, systems out yeah. there so in certain cases if i don't know what's going on or i'm frightened yeah I, I, there have been plenty of times where in the middle of my show, I'm backing up towards the van, jumping in, and we're going off. Really? Yeah. We don't show that on the internet, though. Yeah. They're, they're very nice. They're, the shows that we have on the website are all very happy people. But there are plenty of times where it's uh, it's provocative. Yeah. You know, because some people see magic as delightful, and some people see it as frightening. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and in some ways, maybe the cultures that would be most receptive to this sort of theater for change are those that may be most provoked by it. Well, of course. Yeah. If, if you think I'm a clown, then I have a novelty thing to say. Right. If you think I'm a priest or a cop, my authority's bigger. If you say, if you, I, I'm a doctor, my authority's even bigger because you're survival. If I'm a spirit person sent from, yeah. then, so how you perceive who I am makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I take, I take Very on subtle uh, cues too, like, in Mozambique, if you see an ant with white spots on it in your kitchen, it foreshadows good things. Mm. So you look at my performances, and I've got a beanie on, and my head is round, black, with a little jewel in the front. Mm. And then I'm wearing a polka-dotted dress mm. to, so keen to reflect positive, good luck, right, positive things, right? right? And, and I, I find out the traditions in advance and the superstitions in advance so I can... I can Right. Yeah. And I don't always do, like in Mozambique, we did the clean water program because Lake Malawi is the most biodiverse lake in the world, huh. freshwater lake in the world. And part of it is beautiful and pristine. And on the Malawi side, 
it's a disaster like Pittsburgh used huh. to be. Pittsburgh's yeah. lovely now. Sorry, Pittsburgh. I yeah. love Pittsburgh. No, I grew up near Pittsburgh in the <laughs> 70s it, when the rivers were on fire. Yeah. Right. And now it's in Mozambique is the same. One side mm. is horrible and one side's beautiful. So yeah. in that case, I didn't just do vague things. I told a story with special effects. I had a bucket of water, a glass of water, and it kept magically refilling. And I said, isn't it strange that clean water keeps coming? How does that happen? Mm. And then I imagined I filled up a, a large glass with water and uh, I took it and I put it underneath a baby <gasps> and a big poop appeared in the glass. And I said, oh, my gosh, somebody pooped in the glass. Poor little baby pooped. And everybody laughs. And of course, they don't have plastic. So they see it as a poop. They have no idea that, that here in America, you can buy rubber poop in a store. <laughs> <laughs> so the poop appears in the water and they say, oh my goodness. And I say, oh, you know what happens if someone poops in the water? And then I go up to the chief and I go behind his ear and I take out a piece of poop and there's poop stuck on my finger. So I wipe it off and I take it behind the knee of somebody else and I go around the audience plucking off poop till the audience is running away from me. Right. Right. So now I have a pile of poop and I say, well, <laughs> if one person poops in the water, everybody gets a little poop on them. Because you can't explain germ theory. Right. But you can't explain poop. Right. And then I'm, while right. I'm thinking, I, ooh, and I drink some of the water. And I realize, oh, there's a poop in the water. And then endless poop starts coming out of my mouth. Because <laughs> there's an old balls from mouth trick that a lot of magicians do. So I did it with uh, poop. And as the poop comes out of the sphincter of my mouth, uh -huh. they're horrified. They're shocked. Yeah. But it makes the word spread. Right. right? And then that. I gather all the poop together and I dig a hole. And I put the poop in a hole and immediately flowers start to grow out of the hole so that I educate them about dry composting. Mm -hmm. So during the course of the show, they've seen many special effects that just tell the story, but they're fun and exciting. And you can guarantee if you're a 10 year old guy and your buddy hunkers down by the river, you say, hey, man. My mama lives down the river. You stop that. Yeah. Go over there. Right. They've got that image of the poop coming out of your yeah. mouth. Yeah. It's, it's horrifying. When I did it in the West, people ran out of the room and wouldn't talk to me. So you, so, okay, so the message, the, the being kind to women, helping women brings good things. That's not always the message that no, you're sending. No, our program. Cause to Wonder uses provocative events that create curiosity to have adaptive evolutionary thought. Mm -hmm. Our main program right now, which, we're, which is the focus of our work, is helping women brings good things because we've been sponsored to do it. Okay. One of our programs is uh, A Clean Lake is a Happy Life. I used to work with the Waterkeeper organization and they inspired that program. Mm. Another one of our programs is an anti-gang program in which I'm not a performer. Uh, we have a man named Eddie who is amputated at his rib cage. He was a six foot two guy living in Camden, New Jersey when he was 19 and he woke up one day chained to a bed in a prison hospital with his legs and his pelvis amputated. So now he's two foot six. And I met him on the streets and got him a job in a freak show with some help of my friend Gazzo. And now he's been around the world. He's been to like 50 countries. He's met the Queen of England. He's met Michelle Obama. He's done all these great things but because he was able to be this certain character in this play because of his and I called him up one day because somebody approached us and said can you help us suddenly the Virgin Islands has Crips and Bloods and they didn't before but we sent because it's an American Virgin Island in St. Thomas and St. John we sent criminals up to the United States who then got gang indoctrinated came back down to the Virgin Islands and suddenly oh, it was exploding in the Virgin Islands so they said can you help us Lisa and I said middle-aged white lady making a ball disappear sit to saying to a bunch of high school kids hey you guys don't shoot each other right it's not going to be effective mm. so i called up my friend eddie and i said what do i do and he said i'll do it 
So he'd sit by, he sits behind a table and he's looking at all these high school kids who are badass, mean kids. They got a tough life. And they've got their arms folded and they're just snarling at him. And he says, I came here to tell you something, a story about what do you got to lose if you join a gang. I joined a gang when I was six, or 13. I thought I could get drugs, money, and women, and I did. And I thought, what have I got to lose? And then we push the table away from in front of him, and they see that he's amputated his rib cage, and they go from being stubborn little pill teenagers to helpless children with their mouths wide open saying, oh my God, that could happen to me. And Eddie's a hard guy. He's seen it all. He's been in prison for 17 years. He talks straight to those kids for an hour. Mm. In fact, the program that we did in St. Thomas a few years ago was so powerful and effective that dozens of kids dropped out of gangs and two people even died in the gang wars that started as a result of so many people dropping out. They were two adult gang members. But nonetheless, it never occurred to me that I'd be in a program that would ca cause or provoke such a big impact. And that was, I think that program was six years ago we did it. And now those young boys who are in high school are now fathers. And I've run into some of them because of the work for Helping Women Brings Good. They come up to me and thank me profusely. I want to give a, a shout out to Eddie H for his help with Cause to Wonder because he's a pretty yeah. good guy. How many performers are in the organization? We've had six different performers perform different things. Is this your full-time thing? Uh, I am. Uh, I do keynote speeches at corporations. I used to do theater. I used to do uh, trade shows. Yeah. I was in dot-com. I'd say, you see how the quarter disappears? Just like your liquid hydrogenated gallium arsenic chip problem will disappear <laughs> if you come talk to Charlie. Uh -huh. And I did a lot of that. I did a lot of corporate trade shows, and yeah. most of my clients were high-tech during dot-com. Mm. So what I've really done is just move the trade show to the jungle. Mm. And instead of selling a product... I'm selling an idea. Right. I'm selling human rights. And or, aside from people who contribute through the website, you, you mentioned that this pro program is sponsored by somebody. Is this by... Uh, an individual. Oh, an individual. An individual. Ah, okay. A woman who had been through a great deal of domestic violence in the uh, Caribbean came up with a program. And now Hurricane Irma has come through. Yeah. So our program has been set off course. Right. What was planned for this winter will postpone maybe for one winter or two which is why now I'm going to Sicily to investigate the possibility of working in Cyprus in the north of Africa. Mm. But it's a delicate thing and it needs to be set up slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I, wonder, I mean, it seems like the sort of thing that corporations or foundations could be interested in. Supporting. You know what? I do a great keynote speech where I talk about how I moved my product to uh, uh, from the, tra the corporate floor to the jungle and how it's the same product and I sell it. And uh, Ameri what it, well, Scientific America said, Lisa Mena explicitly explains how curiosity is the precursor to creativity. So my, I do a keynote speech and I get corporate sponsors sometimes who sponsor events. Uh, so I still work as a magician. I mm. make the president appear in a puff of smoke at a sales meeting, cut the marketing director in half. And I do it as a keynote speaker to raise money for Cause to Wonder specifically. Because mm. I'm in a position to be a retired magician, mm. uh, uh, but I couldn't support my organization on my own, then I would not be able to afford my senior years. <laughs> <laughs> senior years. Uh, so, so let's talk about how we, before I turned on the mics, you were talking a little bit about how you got into magic. You did a show or a contest. No, I would know. I, I, I was a magician when I, I, I got a magic book when I was a kid. Um, well, because my mother saved a thousand popsicle wrappers when she was a kid uh -huh. and sent away for a trick uh -huh. and she really loved it so I got a magic set when I was 10 because my mother had loved magic when she was little and then around that time I read an article in American Girl magazine which American was the Girl Scout Girl. magazine yeah. and it said if I was 
10 years old, college would cost 40 grand. Hmm. And I was in math club. I was a little mathlete. And so I was mentally calculating everything. So I immediately calculated minimum wage against the time I had left, but minus school and sleep. And I had to be 14 to start working in Texas. And I thought, oh my God, there's no time. So I started doing a magic show and a clown show at birthday parties just so that I could go to university. Mm. I had no interest in being a magician. I just was something it's I could do. Some and money. somewhere along the way, I, I, it became obvious to me that this was a delightful gift and I could change. Curiosity is an emotion. It changes any mood. Yeah. If someone is angry, you give them to curiosity. It's a relief. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I started as a kid a tiny, tiny kid and, and fell into it by nature. I didn't get into magic because I wanted to perform or it, because I was uh, I needed to be on stage. I just got into it as a tool and it's that's why I'm using it as a tool now. Right. The idea of working a comedy club has no excitement to me. When I was 20, I wanted a standing ovation in a comedy club like crazy. Mm. Now, now I will do it if it generates income for my work, but being able to use magic in the way that I'm using it now is profoundly impacting. Right. When I was 19, I was in Sri Lanka on semester at sea, uh, and I was traveling through a little village by myself, and I, I made a rock disappear and for some kid or something. And suddenly the whole village was there. And then I was trying to decide, I was in university, and I was trying to decide what I wanted to be. And I wasn't thinking I would be a magician, but maybe. I wasn't what sure. were you studying? I was studying psychology. Actually, yeah. I was studying theater and psychology, but I ended up with psychology mm -hmm. because it was the least number of hours to get out of university and still have a degree. <laughs> so you really wanted to get in, then you really wanted to get out. Well, I wanted to get in and get through it, yeah. but I didn't want to have to concentrate my studies in one subject. And it was only yeah. a you only had to take 30 hours in psych to get a degree, and then I could take this and this, uh, and I wanted yeah, a yeah. bigger smorgasbord. Right, and yeah. other degrees required concentration. And did you grew up in Texas? I grew in said? Texas. I'm a graduate of SMU. Give them a shout out. Okay. They got me a feature on CNN when I got out, which changed my uh, life a lot. Thank really? you, SMU, to SMU? PR department. There you Go. Southern Methodist University, go Mustangs. Home of the Mustangs. Okay. I was Temporarily, they were not there, but they're back again. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was in Sri Lanka uh -huh. and I was doing the show, and the whole village was there. And I didn't really know if I had the chops to succeed as an entertainer yet. And uh, they loved me. The smiles on their faces were so vibrant and their eyes were so alive. I thought, oh, I have finally crossed over. I've got the thing, I've got the it. These people love me. Mm. I'm gonna be a great magician. Look at me, I am great. Look at these people, they adore me. I'm fantastic, me, 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 is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And this woman pushes through the crowd and she's my age. You can tell we're the same age immediately. And she pushes this bundle of rags into my hand. And then she drops to the ground and she starts kissing my feet uh -oh. with her lips. She's literally sucking on my ankles. And I open this bundle of rags, and in it is a deformed baby. I know. So I was ashamed. Yeah. I actually thought to myself, I was a really good, nice kid. And I thought, oh my God, I've committed a sin. It was the first time in my life I'd thought I'd sinned. And I left so, so ashamed. And I would tell people the story because it was so important, but I would change the ending of the story. And I would say, so I told the village, that they were lucky to have this baby and they'd find out when the baby was 30 so they'd take care of the baby. But I just made it up because the ending of the story was so terrible and I was so ashamed and I wanted to explain the power of what magic had happened. Yeah. So then when I got in a position to retire, I was looking around for things to do and we have this movie, the television show Shark's Tank here mm. and I was up in Canada at the time and they had Dragon's Den, same thing. And somehow I got drafted to be in the show to pitch an idea 
And they said, well, they liked me and they liked what I did. And they said, come be on our show, pitch an idea. And I had to think, if I'm going to be on a television show to ask all of the country to uh, support my cause and get some money from a billionaire, what would I ask for? And I remembered this girl. And I thought, okay, I can twist this. I can take that powerful moment and I can use it for good. Mm. And that was the birth of this idea? That was the beginning of it. I... I, I uh, I thought, you know what? And so I pitched it on Dragon's Den, didn't air, but I had the idea and I made it up. And then I found myself more and more attracted to it. So I went on some experimental bench journeys to see how it worked and I studied a bit because mm -hmm. I've changed my approach. Like at first I used to do a jingle that had a Western, like has an African rhythm. My that would be a more recent thing that I did in Africa. Originally, when I went to Africa, I had a, a, a one of the phrases I had to say was which is a totally Western rhythm. Hmm. But I was making up a song, a jingle. Well, what language was that? The, that was um, uh, Romeo, which is also which is spoken uh, in Ethiopia and in uh, in certain tribal cultures. There's like. A lot of languages in Ethiopia. The, main, the first main one is Amharic. The second one is Romeo. You've been, or, or, or Romeo, I think, is how it's said. Have you been there a few times to yeah. Ethiopia? No. Never been there. Heard it's fantastic. Great things about it. It yeah. is fantastic. And the people are physically oh, so beautiful. So beautiful, and yeah. And such joy. That part, Somalia, Ethiopia, that whole part of the Horn of Africa there, people are just gorgeous. Physically Men fantastic. and women. Oh, yeah. Just there are many places where the women are beautiful, but the men are squirrely little... Uh, you know what? I, you know the idea that a big man is more attractive is something that yeah. big men like you hang on to. I'll <laughs> <laughs> take what I can get. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, uh, no, but I mean, it, uh, maybe it's because I'm a heterosexual man. But you know, so many places I've been, the women have just been so elegant and beautiful, and the men just seem. Unattractive to you? Well, but also women travelers <laughs> I've spoken to are like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And there's a part of India in uh, Rajasthan where the men are really beautiful. They have these mustaches that sort of twirl around and they wear those shoes that do the, you know, have the toe that uh -huh. curls back and they're on camels and they're very sort of dignified and beautiful. But um, yeah. Have anyway. you ever tried one of those mustaches? I think it would suit you. I had a mustache. I had a big, like, gay cop mustache for for years, yeah. Um, but you... I look very gay. Uh-huh. So, not you know, I'm I'm relaxed about my sexuality. It didn't really bother me, but... Uh, yeah, I'll show you a photo later. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of, you know, it's like dressing up as something you're not, you know, because... The, that kind of mustache has such a signifier in in American culture. It, well, and yes, and, and men have so few uh, options of what they want to look like if they want to fit in, whereas we as women yeah. have such a, you know, who do I wish to appear to be? Right, exactly. You know, how yeah. much more paint will I put on today, and yeah. what war am I going to start? Yeah, and I'm not a real, uh, I'm not very accessorized. I've never been... You know, like, I'm going to have long hair, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, like, my new look. I, I, I've never, I don't have an old look. Yes, I don't I'm have not any attracted look. to grooming either. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, you know, clean. I want to be yeah, clean. Yeah, I but... just want to be offensive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> don't want to smell bad. So, um, so I, I'm trying to picture you. What were you doing from college till you got into this? Well, I was doing corporate events. Uh -huh. I did. Um, I was the darling of dot com. I probably did. Oh, I don't know. Two hundred corporate trade shows during that ten year period, and 
And this was using magic. Using magic. I did magic, making something disappear, getting people. uh, The Wall Street Journal said I bring in 10 times as many leads as a standard display. Uh So if you were spending a quarter million dollars on your booth Uh and you brought me in for another extra 30 grand, instead of getting 500 leads, you got 5,000. Right. And they were qualified because I did a magic show and told the people what they did. Right. So I did a lot of work because the Wall Street Journal did an article about me all over the world doing corporate entertainment, mm. working for corporations and, and going to their meetings and listening in and then making witty jokes about the current state of peanut butter God, or whatever it is. sounds so boring. It's not, though. <laughs> At any dinner party, because I've been in the key, in the, in the key pod of... It of, sounds like you're the only light in a very dark room. No, they're corporations that do great things. And if you, uh, if you visit corporations uh-huh. one at a time, it's like visiting families. They have their yeah. own dynamic structure. And because I visit them for three days, I have a really nice understanding of garbage-eating incinerators. Mm-hmm. I have a really nice understanding of Tupperware products. Yeah. I have a fantastic understanding yeah. of how to tube toothpaste. That's a nice thing about that kind of gig where you can you can enter worlds and like there are all these things that, for example, I knew when I first moved to New York in the 80s, I was offered a job and I didn't take it because another amazing opportunity presented itself. But I've always thought about this. The guy, this is like 1984 and his job was, or his company, they went, um, you know, ships would come in with these containers full of stuff. And whoever had ordered it, like they'd gone out of business or they didn't want it anymore or whatever it was. So all these containers of things would be at the docks and just nobody knew what it was. No one came to pick it up. So they would auction them off. Right. So this is like ultimate storage wars. Kind of, kind (laughs) of. Um, But, but so what they would do is they would put all this stuff out in a big warehouse with a number on each machine part or whatever it was. And the potential bidders would have, I think it was like six hours to walk around and look at everything. And then I think two days later, 48 hours later, they would do the auction. So you have 48 hours to try to figure out what was that thing? How much is it worth? Who would buy it? Is it in good condition? Because most of it's all new because it's just being shipped. So, you know, I, I remember, I think of this sort of wistfully sometimes because it would have been such a great opportunity to learn about the world. Right. You know, this is before the internet. You right? couldn't just Google an image no, and figure you, it out. No, you used to be who you are except for the books you read and the people you met. Yeah, yeah. And now people don't even have conversations on trains. It's crazy. Or in airports. Yeah. And, and who's next to you? In the, I, I laugh so hard, kids ignore me in the airport. And then and I'll try to talk to them and they're like, oh, and they'll go back to their iPhone and then I'll make a coin disappear and I'll say, you know, you could have met a great magician today, but you couldn't be bothered to say hello. Yeah, yeah you little fuck. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking that, but you want to you want to give them a little incentive to try next time. Because yeah. saying hello yeah. to a stranger is hard, and if you've never done it and you're 14, yeah. you're almost past the point where you learn how. Yeah. And our society is cultivating that now. That's I love societies that aren't afraid of strangers. That's a real indicator for me, like Ireland. Yes. You walk into a pub in Ireland and everyone will just like, be like, what so you who are you? What, what did you bring us? Yeah, What's exactly. Come tell us a story. Yeah. It's true. I really, that's something I admire very much. You know why? Because you give them cause to wonder. Yeah. Something new, right? Yeah. And it's cause to wonder, does it evoke fear or does it evoke joy? Right. And it depends on the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. You know the, the Chris Christopherson song. Everybody, uh, uh, what has it go? Uh, oh, we don't understand. How does it go? Oh, I can't remember. Um, oh, What's it's gone it on my head. Uh, 
I can sing the whole song. Jesus was a Capricorn, he ate organic food. He believed in love and peace and never wore no shoes. Long hair man and standards and a funky bunch of friends. Believe we'd hung him up if we'd shoot him up if he came down again. Everybody gotta have somebody to look down on. Oh, you usually don't like things you don't understand. Uh. That was the line. I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to start at the beginning. I know, you did well. There. You know, there's so much in there that some of it falls out the end. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, I think that there's a real... Uh, Fear and hate are almost the same. I don't hate rattlesnakes, I fear them. Hmm. But I think I hate them. As soon as I get more information, I stop fearing them and so I stop hating them. And getting more, inf more information requires me to surrender to curiosity versus shut it down. So I think that if people are curious, they're happier and they grow old happier, but they also have less fear. Anything that you're afraid of, if you study it and you allow yourself, I'm not going to think about it, is certainly not the right answer. So anything that you can do to keep your curiosity alive and investigate the things that you're afraid of, the better life that you'll have. And if you're in a culture where that's okay, it works. But we're in a know-it-all culture, and we don't wonder. Why do people paint barns red? That used to be a conversational starter at a dinner table. Now you ask why, and someone says, look how fast my thumbs are. I'm the best. I Googled it first, with the answer. And I'm dealing in cultures where Google isn't an option. They're still looking. They're still awake. Um, I don't think that Google serves wonder at all. I think that the internet is taking away our ability to actually play creatively, creatively with our thoughts. We research, but we don't create anymore. People now think that if they curate a bunch of thoughts together off the internet, they've written something. Nobody starts from scratch. Mm. I think that that's sore and sad. Magic itself as, a, as an art form is soaring. You used to maybe say, see two magic specials a year on TV. Now every Friday or Saturday night, you've got two or three magic shows and magicians because people are so desperate to wonder again. It's mm. such a delightful feeling and it does, we don't allow it anymore. And people are ashamed if they don't know. Very few adults will even say, oh, what does that word mean? Right? They'll just keep it in and be ashamed. Where, right. Whereas a child will say, I don't know the word. Right. Changes our disposition in the world so much. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity, wonder, and acceptance of our own ignorance. So important. Or, or to enjoy that you don't know. Yeah. I get to be There's a student. No, yeah, exactly. Right? There's nothing shameful about not knowing something. There's a big difference between a know-it-all and a learn-it-all, right? Hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes, which people who listen to this have heard me say a thousand times, is... Uh, hi, people. Hi, hi, out there. It's funny. You can't <laughs> see them. It's a bit of magic. Really? It's pretty magical. This podcast is... You, earlier, you said something to me like, you know, don't you want to be in a state of wonder? And I, I sort of jokingly said I'm always in a state of wonder. Uh -huh. This podcast is wondrous to me. It's I, I don't understand it at all. And it's incredible to me that you and I can be sitting here in this garage... And there are fifty to 100,000 people listening to us. Really? Yeah. Hey, everybody, go to the Cause to Wonder website. Tell people about it. <laughs> post about it. Do all that stuff. CauseToWonder.org. Um, anyway. And more importantly than that, please use the phrase, helping women brings good things in your daily life. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Hey, thanks for doing this. This is really fun, Chris. Now you have to run to the airport, so I, I won't do. hold you.
I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through Patreon.com. You can decide how much you want to give the podcast a buck a month, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more. Or you can give nothing. If you don't have any cash, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends. Thank you to Basin and Range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast. Very funky little tune there uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search Tangentially Speaking, all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, Thanks to Shore Design T-shirts. Our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those t-shirts out to you if you order them. Everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design T-shirts in Thailand. And you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at CarseyBlanton.com. C-A-R-S-I-E-B-L-A-N-T-O-N.com. She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear, which is called Smoke Alarm. And it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can, because, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die one day. Here's to you, Bennett. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel Say what you want to say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say <laughs> When everyone we've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day So baby, what's a big deal? If you want to be free, say what you want to feel, spend the night with me, I'm gonna take you up in my arms, and if we must go down.
song will go singing to the smoke alarms will dance into the ground.